You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of TOJ Live, your first and 10 edition. We'll get back to first and 10. I'm not going to have my typical uh, 10 thoughts, just kind of go quick hitters uh, tonight, today on the uh, on the Washington game, on the state of the Jets, and then on the upcoming Cleveland game, which is tonight, which is insane because it feels like that New Year's Eve game took forever and the Jets and, and commanders just finished. Um but it's uh, it, it's crazy. So I'll go into the uh, the, the Jets and Commanders game. I, I for one, um, I haven't necessarily, especially throughout this whole drought, really rooted for losses. The only times that the only time I really ever did was 2020 in the final Gase year, and that was obviously for draft pick for Trevor Lawrence. But ultimately, I just really wanted the team to lose because I really just saw the end in sight with Adam Gase, and I wanted no more to do with him. Um, however, I'm always the type that kind of roots for the team to win. It's really hard for me to root for losses. So outside of 2020, I really have never done that. So even uh, coming up to to the Christmas Eve game, I kind of went into it with the mentality of this. I would be happy. If, you know, I would be happy if they won. Obviously, I think it's good to get a win with a young core, young talent that you have. The Garrett Wilson's, Jermaine Johnson's, Brees Hall's, Sauce Gardner's. Knowing that the staff is coming back and all that felt like it was important for them to get a win, but I wouldn't have been upset if it was, if it ended up being a loss, knowing that, okay, the, the consolation prize kind of is, uh, is the, is the draft position and, and the jets being able to move up to get a better draft pick as the game started and every bounce seemed to go the jets way. And they got to that 20 point lead at 27 to seven. I'm like, okay, well they should run away with this. And, and now I'm going to be, you know, happy that they won. And if for some reason the the you know Washington ends up coming back, I'm go- I'm going to be upset. So as the comeback started to unfold, here I am getting you know pissed off, and it really felt like you could see that the Jets just took their foot off the gas, which was really frustrating because they had everything going in their favor, and you know they get the Quincy Williams pick, and Trevor Simeon and the Jets are driving down, and then Trevor Simeon throws the god awful ugly interception, and Jacoby Brissett comes in. And the Jets just seem to have no answer. And the offense took their foot off the gas. The defense took their foot off the gas. They have no response for Jacoby Brissett. And he's just kind of hitting shot and shot and shot. And they have no way of tackling uh, Rodriguez, the the running back for, for the commanders. And before you know it, you blink your eyes and it's 28 to 27 commanders. And the Jets are going to lose this game. And now I'm to the point where I'm upset and I don't care about draft position and <laughs> I, it's one of those things where forget everything that I said before the game. I, I'm no longer going to be happy if they lose this game. Like they need to win regardless. And so just leave it to the jets to, you know, they, they come back, they uh, miraculously get a 54 yard zero line field goal to win it. Um, and you feel good, but in a way it's like this game should have been, you know, 40 to seven. There's no way that they should have come back and won this game on a last second field goal. Um, but here we are. So, uh, my thoughts on the game overall. I think Reese Hall is a force to be reckoned with, reckoned with. I think he's just he's he's that good. He's the best runner the Jets have seen really since Curtis Martin. Um, he's such a dual threat. Rushing yards for over ninety five. Um, 
receiving yards. I think he had 12 for 96, which is just insane that he had 12 catches in a game like this. And him and Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson adds, I think, nine for 76. And the plays that Garrett Wilson made, the way he was able to bounce off tackles, convert something out of nothing, get first downs out of things where he was stopped, you know, seven, eight yards short behind the behind the uh, the first down marker and was able to convert. I mean, these two guys, if, you know, the games that the Jets have won this year and really over the course of two years where they have been instrumental, if not the reasons the Jets have won, I, I think, you know, the, it speaks for itself. And these guys are the two playmakers on this team, on this offense, and you need to con- just continue to pepper them with targets. The ways that they win are to keep force feeding these guys the ball, and that's how you're going to do it. Um, but for Brees Hall to come back and and to be on a run that he is with the quarterback play that he has, the offensive line play that he has, coming off an ACL tear 13 months ago, is pretty insane, and and it's extremely commendable. And I think he should at least be on the docket for uh, comeback player of the year because he's going to end up amounting 14, 1500 yards. Um, on an offense that really, you know, has nothing else uh, with the exception of Garrett Wilson, um, you know, going for it. So overall, um, you know, my thoughts in this game, I enjoyed the win. I'm going to enjoy it. I don't know what uh, what will be in store for the uh, at Cleveland game tonight, but I think on Christmas Eve, it just felt good to get uh, to get one in the win column, you know, for the staff, for this team, for these young guys. I think it was important. On the defensive side of the ball, I think Sauce Gardner is playing again at an all-pro level. And even though the picks aren't there, it's really because no one is throwing to him. And I think he's kind of having that, you know, Revis-type uh, 2010 season where just every ball is going the opposite side. And even though the play was negated by a penalty, the the one play where he covered Terry McLaurin for I don't know, 10 seconds and still end up made it, making the play on the sideline is just indicative of the kind of corner that he is and the kind of year he's having. I, I just, people just aren't throwing at him. And he has somehow managed to follow up an insane rookie season with an even better sophomore season. And a lot of times you just don't see that. And he's going to be really, really good for a really long time. And I think very quickly we're going to start uh, putting him in the Darrell Rivas type discussion. And that is, uh, there's something to be said for that because Darrell Rivas, I know in my heart and many Jets fans' hearts, uh, holds a very, very special spot. And and Sauce Gardner is, I think, approaching that conversation, which is just uh, just incredible. My other thought in this game is, I mentioned before, but um, the Jets had absolutely no answer for Jacoby Brissett, which is kind of crazy. It's crazy in a number of ways because really, I mean, Jacoby Brissett is not, you know, Dan Marino. He's not Peyton Manning, but it's he's clearly a, a good quarterback and a solid number two. The other thought here is why the hell isn't Washington starting him the whole time and why are they even considering Sam Howell? Um my third thought on that is, and I think every Jets fan's thought is if Jacoby Brissett, if when Jacoby Brissett shakes free this offseason, the Jets need to do everything they can to get him as, as the number two for Aaron Rodgers. My other thought on that is from a Jacoby Brissett side, like from his vantage point, why, you know, if you're going to be a backup, unless you get a chance to start elsewhere, which, you know, you never know how the offseason is going to play out, but why wouldn't the Jets be a desirable situation for him? Knowing that you're going to come in, you're going to back up a Hall of Fame. 41, 42 year old quarterback in years, you know, one and two with ultimately the potential to be like the bridge guy slash prove it guy after Aaron Rodgers decides to hang him up. I don't know why that wouldn't be an attractive situation for someone like Jacoby Brissett to have some stability, to be in the room with one of the best to ever do it 
to know that you're probably going to get spot starts over the course of those two seasons and get a chance to prove yourself either to the that team that you're playing for, the Jets, or to others. I don't know why that wouldn't be um, something that would be a draw for you. Now, again, things could change, and I think a lot of the league is seeing how good Jacoby Brissett really is, so you never know. Some of these other teams could look to you know, go out and sign him with the uh, plan for him to be the starter, but if what we think happens and he, you know, happens and he becomes available and is really looking for a solid number two job, I would pay considerable amount of money to have him as the uh, insurance policy for Aaron Rodgers. And I would also, you know, you can't tell three years, two and a half years down the road, but um, I would think that that would be kind of a, a nice situation to have him uh, come on board, back up Aaron Rodgers for two years, and then ultimately be kind of the bridge guy to whoever is next, but get a at least a year to start, uh, you know, for the Jets. In other news here on the state of the Jets, uh, Woody Johnson comes out and and declares to the New York Post that uh, everyone's coming back, Salah and Douglas. Um, I think Salah takes that a step further to say, you know, there's not going to be any any changes on the staff. I don't find this surprising. I find it um, a little odd in terms of the timing i think following up a completely gutless and lifeless loss to the dolphins where you had so much on the line i think was odd um but it's not a surprise that this team that that, that the staff and the and the front office are coming back i don't think i think everyone was going to be given a mulligan we've said it time and time again on this show i know a lot of people in toj badlands have said it i think it's the common belief uh, amongst everybody i think it would have been a shock if, if any changes were made um, but the more surprising thing is for Salah to come out and say that, you know, all the staff is going to be back now. Could there be some tweaks within that? You know, maybe, um, do I really see it happening? Probably not. Does I think Hackett does have to stay on in, in, in some capacity, if not, it's, if he's not the offensive coordinator, but maybe it's, it's his offense with someone else calling the plays. Could I see something like that happening? Yeah, potentially, but the relationship between he and Aaron Rodgers, I think you, you can't really break that. So, um, you know, I, the changes that I would have expected would have been like the Todd Downing, Keith Carter, but we really don't know what the relationships relationship is there either with Aaron Rodgers. But ultimately, the performance of the offensive line um, and the injuries sustained, um, uh, that that was the one that I was kind of surprised to, that where the Jets wouldn't explore to see maybe what else was out there, or what else they could get or try to lure somebody else that they have either have experience with or would be willing to come and uh, and, you know, work for the New York Jets and, and get an opportunity to work with Aaron Rodgers in that offense. So ultimately, no surprise, just uh, just kind of weird timing. In regards to moving forward to next year, um, I think clearly what you're starting to see is how impressive of a draft that. 2022 year was you obviously get building blocks with Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, Sauce Gardner. Jermaine Johnson has taken a year to leap like uh, no one really could have anticipated. I think we all were hoping that that would be the case. He has made a, a leap that he he's a force to be reckoned with. So when you look at moving forward to next year, I think you're getting some of the clear um, answers on what needs to be addressed. And I think honestly, all the answers are on the offensive side of the ball defensively, I think what you need to look at really is the re-signing of, of or signing of Bryce Huff to uh, a new deal, which I hope the Jets get, get done because you can't let that flexibility go. You have a, what I would call a premier edge rusher in Jermaine Johnson and Bryce Huff is your other premier edge rusher. You pair that with Quinn and Williams, Quinton Jefferson, which who we hope is back. 
John Franklin Myers. You don't want to lose that flexibility. Salah continues to to preach how important that defensive line rotation is and how fresh they keep guys. You have gotten nothing out of uh, Carl Lawson this year. You hopefully get the year two leap out of Will McDonald. If you have those three guys on the edge and you sprinkle in JFM and you continue to get all pro performances out of Quinn and Williams, that keeps your defensive line formidable. If you lose and allow Bryce Huff to walk away, your defensive line rotation and flexibility and protection from injury is gone. And you're really banking on Will McDonald to make that leap and become Bryce Huff. And I'm not sure if you can really count on that. The rest of the defense, I think, is pretty much set. You hope that you get... Uh, obviously you get Chuck Clark back, which I think solidifies the back end. I think you've gotten a nice year out of Ashton Davis. I think Ashton Davis has become in some way, shape or form, like a faster, more ball hockey, Eric Smith, just kind of that like third safety that plays in spots, but that's kind of smart and, you know, knows and, and just has a kind of a nose for the ball and can make plays when you need him to, which is nice. I think any of us that, uh, really expected that from Ashton Davis. I think we were lying. I, you know, I know that I, in the first three years, I didn't, I don't know how Ashton Davis continues to stay on this team, but I know, I think now um, in year four, you're kind of seeing it. And I think he's become a, a nice key piece on the defense that can be a role player and fill in in spots. And I think that's necessary. So I think the defense you, you, you leave alone. The one thing I will say, which we haven't talked about um, is that, from an injury standpoint, the defense has been extremely, extremely fortunate over these last two years. I don't know what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball that they're not doing on the offensive side of the ball, but they need to look at it. So outside of losing Al Woods and now Quentin Jefferson um, and losing Sauce for a game due to a concussion and DJ Reed for a game, uh, a game or two, actually, I think, due to a concussion, the Jets have really you know, maintained their health on the defensive side of the ball, which again is not something that you can count on for year three. So that good fortune could kind of come to an end. I'm sure that we'll, we'll see it. Everyone's a year older. CJ Mosley, who's the heart and soul of that defense is another year older. You wonder when, you know, the, the wheels are going to start to to fall off there when it's going to slow down another step, but either way, he continues to play lights out football and his heart and passion and ferocity really is, is noticed on every single play, even when, um, you know, the Jets are eliminated, which for a guy like that, who is used to winning at Bama, used to winning in Baltimore to come to the Jets and continue to try to rebuild this. You really, you feel for a guy like that, but that's neither here nor there. So you look at the other side on the offensive side of the ball, you see clearly what the Jets need. They, um, need a number two wide receiver. And in all reality, what we've seen from Lazard has been depressing uh, this year, and you really can't count on him to even be a number three. But you hope that the Jets go out and they make uh, a significant splash uh, on the veteran market for a trader free agent. You hope that it's Devontae or T. Higgins or Mike Evans or Chris Godwin or someone of that ilk. Um, my hope is that it's Devonte. I just think he'd be the perfect one to be a mentor to Garrett Wilson while still having gas left in the tank, um, to go out and perform and be kind of the one, one a, uh, along with Garrett Wilson. I think that opens things up so much more. And then you look for kind of a speedster in the, in the slot, you know, like a, a guy that, uh, that can stretch the defense a little bit. Um, I'm not saying Xavier Gibson isn't, isn't having a, a nice little rookie season as an undrafted free agent. I just think you want him as your kind of four or five, um, you know, with some gadget specialty and punt returner, as opposed to being a relied upon uh, slot. 
Um, outside of that, obviously, I think you're you're hoping that Izzy Abanacanda can step up and be your number two. I think he's a nice compliment to Brees. I think his game breaking speed uh, is a nice compliment to Brees. Obviously, Brees has that game breaking uh, game breaking ability. It's just kind of in a different fashion. And then it's really you're looking at your old line. I think you're going to rely. On, I think Uzama's gone. I think you're going to rely on 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 Conklin to be there. And I think Conklin will develop a nice little relationship. Conklin's had a quiet, nice year. Um, given the QB circumstances. And I think you rely on him to have a much better year with Aaron Rodgers at the helm and Ruckert as your clear cut number two uh, to, kind of, to kind of develop into a better pass catcher and continue with his, his blocking prowess. I think Uzama's gone. You find another, uh, another tight end three, whether that's Zach Koontz or, or maybe somebody else, but then really all your attention has to focus on the offensive line. The, que- the, the guarantees that you have are Tittman and AVT. Uh, Tittman is obviously going to start at center. He has been the Jets' best offensive lineman since he's come into the starting lineup. Uh, AVT will return. Um, he is an all-pro caliber guard slash tackle, and I think that's kind of the one key that you have there is the flexibility with AVT to play either guard or tackle. So maybe you don't necessarily need two new tackles. Maybe you need a new tackle to pre- to replace Mekhi Becton and a new guard to fill in that right side. And maybe you have some flexibility with Lake and Tomlinson. I think Lakin played okay at the start of the year. I think it's fallen off, but maybe that is paired with kind of the regression of Makai Becton on that left side. But can Lakin be an okay starter? I think he's proven that he can. If you can upgrade it, yeah, you go ahead and upgrade it. But if you can keep Lakin and he plays at a decent level, you keep Tipman. You obviously keep AVT and you have the flex- flexibility there to move him at either to guard or tackle then you really need two offensive linemen and obviously depth because depth has been an Achilles heel for this team for two, three years now on the offensive line. So really that's kind of your plan for the off season. Now the trust is, or the, the hard part is that you have to put your trust in Joe Douglas, who at this point, you know, we don't really have any reason to, um, and that becomes a difficult part. So really, you know, that's when it comes down to draft position. And I know that's that's probably the argument against me rooting for a win against Washington is that do we really have trust in Joe Douglas to pick the right player, whether the Jets are picking four or nine or 12 or wherever they shake out, depending on how these last two games go. That's kind of the the difficult part and the waters that we have to navigate. But there we are. So you got to trust that whatever position they're picking in, I think right now they're picking nine that Joe Douglas can either get the best wide receiver available or the best offensive tackle available, which hopefully, uh, you know, Joe Alt or the Fashanu kid from, from Penn state can, can drop to them and the jets select them. And then, you know, you're, you're hopefully uh, one half of that problem for the off season is solved. So moving forward and uh, kind of wrapping up here, this Cleveland game tonight, again, you're playing, you know, Joe Flacco, who is uh, otherworldly right now, which is kind of crazy and good for Flacco. I mean, you know, for all the Jets fans uh, and everybody out there thinking why the Jets didn't go and just sign Flacco again, like, let's not forget, like he led us to that incredible comeback in, in Cleveland last year in week two. However, as a starter, that was his only win for the Jets. And I think he was one and eight overall in nine games with that being his only win. So, you know, uh, Joe Flacco, is he elite? Is he not? You know, all that joke, that, that joke there, it's, it's debatable, obviously. But I don't think we can really look at Joe Flacco and what he's doing now in Cleveland. And for any Jets fan to say, yeah, they were anticipating that, I think you'd be, uh, you'd be lying just a little bit there. So the Jets go into Cleveland um, against a, a stout uh, defense. And really kind of a, uh, uh, 
newfound life uh, in its offense with the Flacco to Amari Cooper hookup. Um, this is just, this has the, the, the makings of an ugly game kind of all around. I expect the Jets to, I do expect them to lose this one. I think the defense can, can play well against Cleveland. You know, Joe Flacco, despite what he's done so far is not really scaring me too much. Um, I think the defense can turn him over a few times, but again, I just don't think the Jets on the offensive side of the ball are going to be able to do much. And that defensive line scares me. And if this Jets offensive line comes out and looks in any way like they did against Miami in that second go round, it's going to be a long, ugly night. The other part of this is, you know, despite the Jets getting the win um, against the the commanders, I really don't think that Trevor Simeon played very well at all. I just don't think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's got any pop in his arm anymore. I think too many balls were just underthrown and ducks and you couldn't tell whether it was tipped at the line or not. And I think that's just how it came out. And I just, I really don't think that, um, that this is going to be a pretty game offensively. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they can somehow pull out OW. I, I think it'd be nice to see another game like we saw on Sunday and, and you see Brees and, and Garrett kind of do their things and the Jets get another win on the backs of those guys. But at this point, I don't see it. I think it's going to be, you know, somewhat ugly if the Jets kind of lose maybe like a, a 21 to 10 bout where it's maybe close into the third, you know, early fourth quarter at like 14, 10 and a, uh, a later touchdown kind of pulls away and the Jets really just don't have the offense or the, uh, or the gas to really finish it out and keep it close. But either way, you know, with a, with a look forward to the off season and obviously the last game of the season too, with uh, going to, to new England, I think from my personal standpoint, it'd be nice to see the jets give bill Belichick uh, his last loss as a Patriots coach. And just to kind of put that, uh, that last knife uh, right into right, right into bill Belichick's Patriots career. But um, with that being said, I'm going to close this up. I hope everyone had a good holiday. I hope you have a great new year. Um, thanks as always to, uh, to listening to, to me on the solo pod on the first and 10 to Steven and I on TOJ live as we do it weekly. Steven's traveling. He's with his fiance out in California this week. So no TOJ live with him and I this week. We'll be back next week to recap the Browns game. Um, as always, make sure you're subscribing to Badlands with Joe and Connor. They continue to pump out content as always phenomenal content. Uh, you got. Um, the other guys, you got Buck the Trend, draft season is continuing. You got Will on the TOJ pod. I mean, so much, uh, so much content coming out from the TOJ and Badlands crew. And uh, we'll continue into the offseason, obviously, where this is the Jets fans' time to shine. So, as always, guys, thanks very much. Hope you had a great holiday. Happy New Year, and we will talk to you soon. Appreciate you. <laughs>